and amen. Yes, let's have our seat. Thank you to our lead pastor, Pastor Frederick Letton. Thank you, sir. Um, what a wonderful time. I'm always glad to be amidst believers. This is what uh, it means. Thank you for that foundation because this need for endurance, especially in a time like this, where you were not used to uh, this kind of setting, especially in a modern day. I mean, where we have 30, 30 minute uh, uh, service in the sun. We have five services, so 30, 30 minutes, so that other people will go and catch up with a lot of things. We can know God that way. Hallelujah. Now, my, my job is to just to have an introduction to biblical interpretation. So, um, I'll just lay some foundation wherever we stopped. Uh, perhaps... Uh, Pastor Lou, when you come, you go to the advanced course. Me, I'm a small boy, so I'll, I'll dwell on the introduction. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so I will be just be talking on uh, just an introduction to biblical interpretation. And so there are some conditions I want to lay, probably today and tomorrow. Wherever we stop, that's okay. We can continue in the church. Hallelujah. So, today I will just look at, or with this just few time, I will look at why is it necessary to interpret the scripture? Can't we just read it? Why is it necessary to interpret the scripture? So, I'll just talk on those foundational issues. Before we even go to how to, <laughs> to interpret it, why is it necessary to interpret the scripture. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 3. So we will start from uh, where Pastor Fred uh, taught. Second Timothy chapter 3. From verse, from verse 14. I'm reading from New King James. But you must continue... And the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Verse 15. And that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, for every good work. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. 
knowing this, that no prophecy of scriptures is of any, please, if your Bible is not borrowed, underline that word, any private interpretation, of course, we're going to look at what does that mean, for prophecy came, never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, why is it necessary to interpret the scripture? One, to find the intention of the author, to find the meaning and the intention of the author. Now, I'll develop from that. Just listen to me. Now, there has been some uh, accusation against, I mean, believers or pastors or ministers of God who commit themselves to accurate interpretation. You know, what are these accusations? You know, they said, are you seeking to write to fault the Bible? Because you are trying to dig the intention of, of the author. So you are doing a lot of work. And sometimes in doing that, we're going to see it. The way some of these, our translation put it, didn't capture the, the... In fact, you don't even need any Greek. If you read in the context of the scripture, you will understand that. Like, I think it's one of the versions we are reading some times ago. He now said something like, uh, um, like some of the things I discussed last time in the church, you understand? Give me that scripture again. Give me that scripture again. Uh, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 20, verse 23, verse 23, yes, and may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Now, he's talking about God, may the God of peace, and when we looked at this, we saw that this is not a prayer. It shouldn't be a prayer because it's God. And we saw many, and we're going to look at that principle, whereby because the scripture is consistent. The scripture does not contradict itself. It cannot say one thing somewhere else and plenty places, you understand, and then say another thing in somewhere else. Are we together? We have seen countless of scripture that said that we are sanctified once and for all. Are we together? By coming to Christ, we are sanctified. So when this scripture says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, it looks as if you are praying again for him to do what he has already done. No, that is not. So that word may, we looked at it from Old King James. Please give it to me again. From Old King James, if you look at it in the, uh, in the hard copy, you will see that that what I pray 
is in italics. That means it has been introduced. It's not in the original text. Are we together? So that means it has been introduced. So, and we saw that is the very God of peace sanctify you. That is, he has done it. Are we together? And then, look at it. It's supposed to be, and God, your whole spirit and soul and body be, be preserved. It's not a prayer also. Is that that is what he will do. He's preserving you blameless unto the coming of Christ. Next verse. That's why he made the next statement make sense when you read it that way. Faithful is he that calleth you. Who will do it? Do what? Who will preserve that which he has done? What has he done? He has sanctified you. Now, that's the correct, because when you read it from the context, you will understand that that is not a prayer for the believer to pray, Lord, sanctify me. Mm -mm. That's why some of these songs, sanctify me or purify me. You understand? It doesn't make sense for the believer because God has already done it once and for all. Now, when we are committed to understanding and to interpret scripture, you know, some people say, you are trying to fault the Bible. No, we are not trying to do that. We are trying to find the meaning and the intention of the author. That's the first thing. You understand? And so some say, why can't you write your own Bible? Why can't you write your own Bible? No, no. Or some label, uh, people who are committed to, to, to interpretation as disrespectful to fathers. You know, because, when, because if you are saying that probably one big geo, you understand, has, has said those things the way they, you know what I'm saying? And now you, you are coming now, you are faulting him. But it's no, you are not faulting him. In fact, you are not calling any name. You are just trying to go and read the scripture. So sometimes this level can make some people become scared, you understand? And then back down. No, you understand? That is why the issue of doctrine, man of God read something, he said, sound doctrine. You understand? You have to, it's not, it's not, it's endurance. It's a endure sound doctrine. Are we together? So it is important that we understand that. Amen. So, now when we read, it says something critical. Second uh, Timothy chapter uh, 3 verse 16. It says, all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God. We're going to do a lot of things around this scripture. Now, and again, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, particularly 21, says, Holy men spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So pay attention to this. Now, the Bible says all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God. And in other words, what he's just trying to say is that the grand author, are we together? Is God himself. That's why he said, holy men were moved. By who? The Holy Spirit. So in other way, what uh, second, um, or Paul was saying in 2 Timothy is the same thing what Peter is saying. Are we together? That is, is God or is the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, I want us to note something. But the fact that these holy men were moved to write the scripture, does not mean 
that the one who moved them to rise is responsible for every actions and event in scripture. So the fact that the Holy Spirit moved these men to write the scriptures, it doesn't mean that the one who moved them, that is God, is responsible for every or for all actions and events in scriptures. This is the reason why we want to always read the scripture to find the meaning and the intention of the author. Because not every action, not everything in scriptures has been, is the responsibility of God. That is, he's the one who actually inspired that action. Are we together? So I want to just bring it home. Now, well, unfortunately, well, most of us know that there is a war in Ukraine now. Are we together? Now, imagine this way you are a journalist. Now, you have been employed by your employer. And then that employer asks you, say, go to, to Ukraine to cover the event that is happening in Ukraine. And then when you arrive there, and then you were reporting and sending it back to the main house, and then they are publishing it. And then you wrote, you saw how Russian missiles were fired to the Ukraine cities and villages. And then you also saw how Ukraine are firing back. And you also wrote how the US and the UK and the EU generally are supporting Ukraine with weapons, you understand? Now, the fact that you document all those things does not mean that the action of the U.S., the EU, the Russians, the Ukraine were inspired by your employer. Are we together? Are we together? You are just asked to document and to report everything. So this is the reason why also in scriptures that we have to read and understand which is of God, which is not of God. That process requires interpretation. This is the reason why we have to read and see and get that which is the will of God and that which is not of God. Are we together? Now, there's something that happened to me years ago. Even though I was not that very, I mean, I was a growing believer when I was still in the university. You know, so we, we normally go to do this. Um, for those of us who are in Nigeria, we have something we call sideways. The, they call it Student Industrial Work Experience Scheme. Actually, has been instituted to be able to enable uh, students who are still in the university go to have a work experience before even they graduate. And I know that they do it also here. You just go, what they call is it IT or something like that. Now, there was, I did mine in a... In a pharmaceutical company owned by a church. So, because it's owned by a church, every morning when you come to work, before you start work, you have to do devotion. So, I remember the director, one morning like that, was the one who was reading, and she read from Genesis 12 how Abraham, because of famine, he moved to Egypt. 
And when he moved to Egypt, and he was afraid, because he was afraid of his life, so he lied and said, my wife is my sister. You understand? So that he can gain favor. And of course, he gained favor. By that act, he has so much good. That was what he returned to him. Some of us have been praying for Abraham's blessing. You have to be careful which type of blessing you must clarify it with. So, I, I, <laughs> amen. So that was how he got a lot of favor from the king. But then later on, they discovered what he did. But what gave me curious was the conclusion of the director. You understand? He now said that you see, there's nothing wrong with lying as long as you are to get out of trouble. You understand? This is a good example from scripture. It is written. You understand? I was sitting down and said, you don't believe I already know that something is wrong with you. <laughs> Amen. So the fact that something is written in, in the Bible does not mean you should do it. This is the reason why we have to read and understand. Although God inspired Moses to document the book of Genesis. Are we together? He was not the one who inspired Abraham to lie. He was not the one who inspired Abraham to sleep with Hagar. Are we together? Amen. So it is important that as we go through scripture, we read to know what are the actions. And this is the, one of the biggest problems. That God has to help us. You understand? Many other kinds of practices in the church has been brought about by this kind of lack of proper interpretation. Are we together? Lack of proper interpretation. Many of us see God differently. Why? Because we attribute to God what is not his. He has no part in it. But you believe is God. Some of us, that's what we have been carrying. We believe that the sickness God, that is, you say that, that there's a sickness God leave it in my body so that he can teach me to be patient. I don't understand. Man of God said the tool of our equipping is the word of God. How comes that God now is using sickness, you understand, to equip you? Did you see the problem? So that's why this is where we get into problems and wrong application of scripture. And we suffer because we are not able to really read and interpret the scripture correctly. So we have many, many examples in scriptures which we have to pay attention. Although we see the ordeal of Job, the difficulty he suffered, even him did not understand. You understand? He was thinking his God. He told his wife, how foolish are you? Can't we, can, can we receive good and not receive evil from God? Uh-uh. But someone will just read and say, Job, and then you carry it hook, line, and sinker. Did you understand what I'm saying? So this is the problem. The Lord give it, the Lord take it. Who told you the one who take it? Now, this is a problem. And so we saw many things. The fall of man, you understand? Moses was the one who was inspired to document it. Was God the one who, who inspired Adam to fall? You see that? Was he the one who inspired the devil to, to tempt Eve? So these are things that we have to. What about the killing of Cain? Was he the one who asked Asked, uh, sorry, the killing of Abel. Was he the one who asked Abel to kill Cain? So all these are things that we have to learn. To be able 
to read and understand the will of God, we must commit to proper interpretation. Proper interpretation. Now, in that, there are other things, not just only the actions of men, that is a, can bring a challenge to, to, to or the, the evil things that have been happening and many actions that are not of God that can bring a challenge to interpretation. There are certain things what we call language distance. Language distance. Also, for this reason, we have to interpret scripture. The Bible was written in language that most people cannot read. Most of us here, I, don't, I doubt if any of us can be able to speak Hebrew and Greek. Are we together? Now, today we rely on qualified scholars to be able to translate the Bible to our own languages. However, not without challenges because of the language difference, the language distance. Even them struggle that have read Hebrew, read, you understand? If you see the way Bible is translated, that's why I often said this. Even as we come to seek to know the Bible, we have to be careful, not just to be saying all kinds and disrespect these men who sacrifice their life. I told you I was reading about some of these reformers, for example, Martin Luther, the reformer, you understand? How he translated, he was the one who brought about the issue of justification by faith. You understand? How did he know? Because in those days, we're going to see it. The Bible was only in Latin as in their own time. You can graduate from seminary and never saw a Bible. So everything that the church tells you is the one you do. So in that time, he was able to learn how to read Latin and then found the scripture and read for himself. That's after he has been a priest too. And then discovered, ah, why then are we being paying for our sins? Why it is only by faith you are justified. And then he began what we call the revolution or the reformation. Are we together? He was noted to have also, because a German translated the Bible into German, especially the, the part we call the New Testament. He did that, I was telling some people, over six months, he was sitting in one place to, to translate the Bible into German. Now, just because of some weaknesses of men, and as we read now, we understand that this has to be put this way, it does not make you to just begin to abuse him and say, da, 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 da. No, 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 no. Are we together? So what we are trying to say is that it's important that God even has helped us, that all of us have Bible here. Imagine you are in those days, what we call the dark ages. <laughs> the dark ages is called the dark ages because men do not have access to the Bible. Uh, uh, do you understand what I'm saying? You do not have the access to the Bible. This is why it's called the dark ages of church history. Now, because of this language uh, distance, the Bible was originally written in Greek and Hebrew. We're going to see that subsequently. So none of the writers of the Bible are Englishmen. Most of us have English Bibles here. That's why I'm concentrating around English. None of the Bible writers or authors are actually Englishmen. So the meaning of what, Pastor Fred has started just talking in that direction. 
the meaning of what cannot, the meaning of what, their concepts, their concept, the meaning, concept of spiritual things cannot be found in the English dictionary. If you go and type in the English dictionary, son of God, you are likely to see the male child of God. But that is not what it means. Are we together? So that concept cannot be interpreted by English language. Are we together? So it is very important we know that. Hence, the Bible, English language was not even in existence when the Bible was written. Please, I want you to know this. There was nothing like English language when the Bible was written. You know what I did? I just said, okay, let me, we are in the, we are in the tech uh, generation. So I did something. I just asked Chad GPT. I said, Chad GPT, how old is the Bible? <laughs> That's what I just did. And look at what Chad GPT told me. <laughs> he said, the earliest form of the English, la- sorry, how old is the English language? How old is the English language? Chad GPT said, the earliest form of English language, that means not even the one we have now. He said, the earliest one, of the English language, they are referred as to Old English or Anglo-Saxon, which was spoken spoken approximately, not even written. At that time, there was nothing like written English. It was spoken approximately the mid-5th century to mid-12th century. So that means English language is about 1,500 years. Are we together? In other words, or we can look at it, that the part we call the New Testament today is over 2,000 years ago after it has been written. That means <laughs> you have the Bible has been concluded more than 500 years before the English language came. So that's to tell you that you have to be careful when you read scriptures. Amen? Now, what's another thing that we have, we, we, there is need aside the issue of language distance is what we call cultural distance. Cultural distance. Most of us comes largely from different continents, but largely from Africa. But you see, in the pages of the Bible, we find customs, beliefs, practices that seem strange to us. Of course, strange to you and I. As a result, we have, we must educate ourselves about diverse cultures and traditions, you understand, represented in the Bible while interpreting, while interpreting the scriptures. You know, some of us, I've heard so many people, because they don't understand, they used to say that, that Christianity is patriarchal. You see, it's part of the lack of understanding of how to interpret scripture. Because you are picking the culture of other people and pasting it on Christianity. So, because if you don't understand reading scripture, you are likely to be carrying other people's culture and thinking you are practicing Christianity. No, you are not. So, some of us have been practicing Eastern religion. And we say we are practicing Christianity. 
So there are many things. So you have to understand the context in which the Bible is written. The, the ancient instant co uh, context. You will see the, the context of, of Mesopotamia, Egypt, Canaan, you understand? And so many of these places. These are places that you have to take time to understand their culture. Just like I said. The Jewish culture. You know, some tradition, practices. They have laws, social structure, gender. That's what we are talking about. Gender roles. You know, something like I say, patriarchal nature of that. We have also, when we come back to the part of the New Testament today, we, we have what we call the Greco-Roman context. Because that's the area, the time in which the apostles, the centuries apostles live, you understand? And part of the Bible, what we call now, you understand? I'm using that word very carefully, because I'll tell you why I'm using it carefully. The part of the scripture we call the New Testament. You understand? Now, the Roman, you have to understand that culture. You understand? What about historical context? The political context also. Because these are times where what we have today, we are, most are times where we are coming from is democracy. <laughs> we don't have that in those days. It's about kingdoms, empires, you understand? And so you have to understand the ideology that governs those kinds of settings, you understand? Another thing that is important, why we have to interpret scripture is the time distance. Is a time distance. Now, biblical events and writing spans several centuries. Several centuries. And because a text deals with subject from a long time ago, we need to interpret or do we need interpretation to comprehend what it implies in that time. Because time has an impact on how culture evolves. So there are many things that are that time that we, we don't have it now. Even in our time. Are we together? WhatsApp. We never have that word some years ago. Are we together? Are we together? We have a language now recognized <laughs> even in the world, particularly the pidgin English, it never existed before. It's a creation of time, you understand? Just the same way, like English. If you go back and read the English, you will discover that are those German area part that came around that England part that started speaking that current English we are talking about today. Are we together? So over time, we have seen how we have improved. Even the King James, when you read King James language, the old King James, you will know that when they read it, when they wrote it, okay, you were not there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, another important factor that we need to interpret scripture correctly is geographical distance. Geographical distance. Now, the locations referenced in the Bible needs to be understood for us to grasp the events that the Bible. You see, the geography is key. Geography is key. That's why you have to even, <laughs> you know, sometimes you might not understand like as simple as that. When they, when Nathaniel, they told Nathaniel 
that we found Jesus of Nazareth. You know what he said? He said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, if you don't understand what has happened in the geography, it's very difficult for you to understand why Nathaniel had to make that statement. He was a very viable student, very good one. Because he knew by prophecy, Jesus is not from Nazareth. Are we together? Something took him there. Hallelujah. Now, understanding the geography is important also. Amen? Now, they say good. Now, all these things, we can summarize it to understand that these are some of the reasons why we have to interpret the scriptures. Now, the second part of it, because all that I have talked about is under all trying to discern among all these things, the intention of the author. The second part of it is that so that we will not be deceived. Colossians chapter 2, <laughs> Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Because if you understand, we have to interpret the scripture correctly so that we will not be deceived. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. And then what? Deceit. How is that? How can you be deceived? After the tradition of men, after the rudiment of the world, and not after who? Not after Christ. So if you lack understanding of the scripture, you are an easy target for deception. You are a candidate of deception. Are we together? So why will you commit to understanding and to proper interpretation? Pastor read us in Ephesians chapter 4. Remember, that's why he said not according to Christ because deception does not come according to Christ. That's why the gift that God gives us, the gift of men, they train us, they equip us, he said, till we come to the unity of faith, which is the son, the knowledge of the son of God. You understand? That's the knowledge of the son of God. And once you have it, he says, so that we will no longer be like children. Toss what? To and fro. By every what? Doct you see that? And those type of men are, are those sitting down to deceive Sister, why will you read and commit yourself to interpretation? So that you will not be a candidate to deception. So that you will not be a what? A candidate of deception. The third thing I want to mention before I close off for today is the third thing why you should seek accurate interpretation is for accurate worship. Is for accurate what? Worship. You see, Pastor Fred started saying some few things <laughs> when he was talking about scriptures. That if you see, you look at what Paul has been saying, continue. Right? Continue. We're likely going to touch more on that, but look at it. He said that no man learns on his own. 
You understand? Okay, where he taught us, Philip interpreted to the Ethiopian, you know. Who interpreted to him? He was not an evangelist. He was among the people who were selected to serve tables. So he was a product of the apostles. The apostles who taught them the Lord Jesus. That was where he gave them the great commission. Go into the world, right? Make disciples of all nations. Are we together? He instructs them to teach all that he has commanded them. Are we together? So there's something he has committed to them. He expects them to teach and which they did. And that is how we continue. So you cannot be able to serve God better without proper interpretation of scripture. Because understanding scriptures is key to worship. Anything you do outside scripture is not worship. I said it might look melodious. It might look uh, very wonderful. I said it earlier in church that in worship there is no creativity. Christian faith, there is no creativity. <laughs> you know, some people say, no, we need to do something different. No, sir. The worship is not for you. You know, some people come to church and say, I didn't enjoy today's worship. Who said that the worship was for you? Why the focus on you, you didn't enjoy it? Did God, who is being worshipped, told you he did not enjoy it? So we have to be careful so that we will not be dragging some doctrines of Babylon. Because it is understanding the intentions of the author that helps us to worship him correctly. Colossians. Look at this Colossians. 1 verse 9. Colossians 1 verse 9. Give me in New King James. 1 verse 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Did you see that? Did you see that? With the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and understanding. Why? The next verse. That ye, or that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Did you see that? That you may do what? Now, without proper interpretation, you cannot know the will of God. And without knowing the will of God, you cannot walk worthy of the Lord. So that is why we commit ourselves to proper interpretation. So that our worship will be accurate. So that our worship will be accurate. So interpreting scriptures correctly or accurately have helped us to avoid erroneous conclusion. Erroneous conclusion. Aberrant beliefs. An absurd application. You understand? 
and abnormal behaviors. You know, when you say abnormal behaviors in church, you know, we have them today. Abnormal behaviors. When you see them in the internet anyhow, you understand? Here and there doing all kinds of things. Pastor asking his members to eat grass. You know sometimes like that? Or drink petrol. You understand? Or carry bottle all around like a like a like a like a witch doctor. You understand? That you are, you know what I'm saying? That when they are coming, just put it. <laughs> you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? Some abnormal behaviors. There can be no proper spiritual growth without a sound biblical interpretation. This is the reason why people are easily deceived. No matter how you heard it, no matter how, how much you heard it, in fact, no matter how much you pray. I asked some of us when we came, and I said to them, I know the way you were praying before you came here was not as you are praying now. Say yes. I said, what change? What change is the knowledge? That time, what was, some of them will fast as if they will die. They will pray. But their motivation was fear. They are coming. They are coming. Who are they coming? It's in your mind that they are coming. So, those kinds of behaviors have been, have to give way, but they cannot give way except there is proper interpretation of scripture. False religion. False religions have been created for lack of accurate biblical interpretation. False religion. You understand? Many false religions. Are we together? You know, I was listening to Andrew Tate. You know, some of us, who knows Andrew Tate? Yeah? You know? <laughs> you know, he said, mm, that he doesn't like, uh, he was, that he was an atheist. Then he converted to Christianity. Then he moved to Islam. They asked him, why do you, he said, no, he doesn't like Christianity now. That Christianity is too weak. It's too weak. You understand? You understand? <laughs> that was not conversion. He was just religious fluidic. You know what we call gender fluid? What do you call them? Uh -huh, so it's a religious. <laughs> Amen. God will help you. We love him. Hallelujah. So, are, even our Christian life currently, some of us are still believers. Our Christian life has been complicated. Complicated. Because of what? Because of lack of proper interpretation. Maybe let me just give one and then I close now. In this regard. Let me tell you how when I was growing, how my life has been complicated because of lack of proper interpretation. <laughs> you know, so I came from a very wonderful church. I love that church. You understand? You know, when you're growing up, first and foremost, you have no part in that church if you are not baptized. No part. <laughs> yes, if you are not baptized in water. 
You understand? So first and foremost, you have to enroll for baptismal class. You understand? They will teach you for six months. Something like that, about six months. After that, then you write exams. After you finish writing exams, then you do interview. After you finish interview, then if you pass, then they will baptize you. In fact, the person that will baptize you is not anybody because in the category of pastors, the senior pastor is the one that will baptize you. The ones that are no senior pastor are not qualified yet. You understand? So, and we saw baptism is a sacred thing in my church. You understand? That means if you have not been baptized, you cannot take Holy Communion. That's another level of consecration. You go. And if you are not baptized, you cannot serve, you cannot be given any position in the church. And again, you are not a proper member. If there's any discussion that will be discussed in the church, you understand? It has to be with the communicant. So they will ask the communicant, those who take the Holy Communion. But you can't take the Holy Communion without being baptized. You understand? In water. So if there's any serious issue to discuss in the church, they will, they will say, communicant members wait. Everyone that is not communicant will have to go. <laughs> so we are being, we are being, we, we are shamed. So we have to enroll and be baptized. Hallelujah. Now, and just, we have just finished. Give me that scripture again, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We have just finished in the, in the, in the church dealing with that scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that's where I will close. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 17. I know there are some of us that are coming here for the first time. So, because I just give this one. This is one of the scriptures that has been used to complicate our, our life. So, really, Christianity has become really like a body. You understand? Now, in giving this instruction, I do not praise you. Since you come together, not for better, but for what? But for worse. Next verse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. So what is the problem in this church? What is the problem in this church? Division. And in part, I believe it. Next verse. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Next verse. Verse 20, therefore, when you come together in one place, like we came now, and very soon they will bring food. Are we together? It is not to eat the Lord's Supper. It is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Why did he say it is not to eat the Lord's Supper? The next verse now, verse 21. He said, for in eating, each one takes his own supper. So not that one. It is not the Lord's Supper, but his supper. Each one takes his own supper ahead of the other, and one is hungry and the other is drunk. So this is the reason why he, wait, this is the reason why he said it's not the Lord's Supper. What is supper? Supper is just another word. This is English. 
In fact, these are another word for dinner now. In our modern time, we say dinner. That is the food you eat in the evening time. Are we together? So this church normally meet to eat. But although it is supper, Paul says that it can't be called the Lord's Supper because it's supposed to be the Lord's Supper. Why is it not the Lord's Supper? Because there is division. And that division has caused that some people will eat and others are hungry. That means when we say something is the Lord's Supper, it means we are love, we are sacrifice is demonstrated. Are we together? So because there is no love here, there's no caring, Paul says, no, you're not, you're not just eating the Lord's Supper. You understand? You just eat the Lord's Supper. Just, I mean, just eat the supper and this one eat and the one is drunk, one is not. Are we together? So what is the problem in this church again? Division. And this division, we see it in food. Are we together? Let's, next verse. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? So that means there are, so, there are some people who depended, not, just like, not like this government that we have food stamp, government give food stamp. In those days, remember the context is this government. It's, remember I told you you have to pay attention to the context of that time. And that time is about kingdoms. And kings collect from people, not that he give any people. You understand what I'm saying? So where these people get to eat is to come to church. And now once they come together together, and then some people again are not caring. They will eat and get drunk and others are not eating. You understand? So do you want to shame these kind of people who have nothing? Are we together? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Continue. Verse 23. For I receive from the Lord. Now, this is it. You know, the, one of the things we're going to see as we continue is that these verses and all these things we will see tomorrow, they are not inspired. They are inserted there. When interpreting, you must remove them in your mind. They are good for references, but not for interpretation. Because when the original writers wrote, they don't have these verses and chapters. So it's a flow. So you must understand the context. What is the main message? The message is division the church. The question is that, the question you want to ask, how comes Paul is bringing this one now? Where he's talking about division. Don't infuse what is your own insight. And that's why I said, because of lack of proper interpretation, your life can be complicated. So he said, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. That also I delivered unto you that the the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was what? Betrayed. And we saw that this, he was referring to something that happened when the night that Jesus was what? Betrayed. He was not instituting something. This is a way Paul spoke. He said, I received from the Lord. Remember, understanding the author is another important thing. You knew that the, the Paul never saw the Lord face to face. Are we together? And he has used this term, 1 Corinthians 15. Give me 1 Corinthians 15. I receive from the Lord. What does that mean? He's not saying that he received it from vision. That's not what he's saying. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. For I delivered to you first of all, which also I received. That... Christ died for our sins according to what? So where did he receive it? Where did he receive it? From scripture. So he speaks like that. So when he made mention, return back to that uh, 11, 1 Corinthians 11, 
sorry, verse 23. I received from the Lord means that he has read it. Was he there in the night Jesus was betrayed? No. Where did he get it? He read it. That's what he meant by I receive it from the Lord. So he was referring to something that happened. Next verse. He said, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He was talking about the Christ. And said, take it. This is my body which I have broken for you. Do this a remembrance of me. Now when he said, take it. Take it. Do this. He is telling the disciples there, do this. That is, take it. What I have given you. Do this. That is, do it. Now. In remembrance of me. So that means, in this context alone, if you say remembrance means to recall, it doesn't make sense. Because you cannot be telling somebody, take this and eat now, and you say that I recall it. No, that means you are the one who doesn't understand it. Recalling means something has happened, you are not there. And then later on, you remember. That means this remembrance is not talking about recalling at all. Are we together? Yes, next verse. In the same manner, he also took the cup after saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it, and also in remembrance of me. Now, there's one statement I will make here, then I'll up. I just have just a few minutes now. Now, look at it. This is where communion has been instituted. You understand? But remember, this happened for the first time in the night Jesus was betrayed. That means this has never happened before. Are we together? Now, when Jesus was doing this, we don't have time to go to Luke, but just understand what I'm trying to say. When Jesus was doing this, he was about to go to the cross. That's why he said in the night he was betrayed. So he was teaching his disciples what will soon happen. That's why he said, this is the bread. He represents me. This is the cup. He's talking about still me. You understand? That's why he said, do this in remembrance of me. That is, do it with the understanding that it is talking about me. That is, means what I'm about to do now. So he was not instituting another thing, another practice. No. It's the same thing with feet washing that we see churches doing today. He was talking about what he was to do. All this illustration happened in the night he was betrayed. Are we together? Hallelujah. Give me John chapter 2 verse 19. John chapter 2 verse 19. Jesus answered and said to them, destroy. Please listen. Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Next verse, 20. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you will raise it up in three days. Next verse. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. That means the Jews then did not understand why he said, when he said, destroy this temple. What Jesus meant was his body. But they are thinking literal to mean 
the temple that Solomon built. Next verse. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, when, when, when he has risen from the dead, his disciples remember that he has said this to them, and they believe the scriptures and the word which Jesus has said. Now, note, he said, and they remembered that he has said this. When the Jews and them, when Jesus was saying before he died, even the disciples at that moment, they never understood that it was talking about his body. You are seeing again, remember this here. It's not talking about they recall. They recall. No. It's that they now understood that what Jesus was talking about concerning the temple, it was his body. It's the same thing we read now in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So, I just give you a snippet of how interpretation is important. If you don't interpret scriptures correctly, you will get into wrong practices. And that's why many of us, our Christianity has been complicated by Holy Communion. How? Because they ask you if you eat it unwordly, and some of they say pray. So each time we come to, the, to eat the communion table, we are every day reminded of our sins. But that is the old covenant. The new covenant is not sin conscious because we have been purified. Because we have been made holy. So we approach God in the stand in which he has achieved for us. Not sin conscious because we are not sinners but sent. Are we together? So can you just pray? Thank you, Father. We give you glory.